Praise God. Uh, my name is Andre. I'm the youth leader at LCC. And I just want to start off by saying it is a pleasure being here. We are honored and thankful. Thank you, Dennis, Bogdan, and your guys' leaders who invited us over. Thank you for you guys, youth, that are uh, spending this time with us. And um, I think, I believe, also contributing to what the Bible teaches, and that is fellowship with one, with one another, um, discussing God's word with one another, praying with one another, holding up each other's needs, as Bogdan was saying, being vulnerable with one another, sharing, you know, each other's hearts. Um, second song we were singing when the worship team was up there, um, and we were worshiping God through our songs, I really just loved some of the words, you know, it, it, the song I think is called Glory and Wonder, but there's these words in that song, and it talks about the Father's arms, or the Father being there for you, and you know, you can run to Him, you can go to Him and know that He's there for you, and He's there to, you know, hear you out, He's there to bring you in, He's there to accept you, and so... I just want to say this, maybe it spoke to my heart, maybe it'll speak to someone's heart today. If you're going through a hard time, if you don't know where to go, you can go to the Father. He's going to accept you. He's there for you. He wants to love you. He wants to do his work on you. And that doesn't mean, you know, that he's just like, uh, sometimes people confuse and they think, oh, you know, just however it is. No, God wants to change us for the better. He accepts us as we are, but he wants to change us for the better. So praise God that he has a good heart like that, that he loves us and cares for us. Um, I'm going to be preaching from uh, 1 John today. This is actually a topic that one of your leaders reached out to me and said, hey, can you speak on this? And at first I was like, okay, yeah, I know a lot about this. But then I'm like, okay, I have a lot to learn. So I hope as I learn, you guys can learn with me. And um, I hope that this message encourages you guys, maybe convicts you somewhere, speaks to your heart, and at the same time that the Holy Spirit would be using it to uplift you, to encourage you, to do whatever work he desires to do. Um, and uh, I didn't share a testimony because I knew I was going to be up here already, so I didn't want to kind of, you know, go back and forth. But the prayer booth Nazar mentioned, he didn't ex exactly mention all the details like what happened or how it came to be. It's actually a prayer booth held at Highline, Highline College. Some of you guys maybe heard of it, some of you guys didn't in Des Moines. It's a community college with many secular rules, with many secular people. Um, I, I went through there four years or five years already, and I've ran into professors that um, are not afraid to talk against God, are not afraid to tell you that God is not real, are not afraid to tell you that religion is something, you know, foolish, and people who follow religion are to be pitied. Um, and so what Nazar talked about, his feelings going up to this um, going up to this prayer tent, like what was going on. I was experiencing that too. I didn't tell you anything, Nazar, but I was worried too. I'm like, okay, this is a secular school. We're all telling people about this prayer booth. Come pray with us. Support us as we prepare. What if they don't let us? Like the default would be, you know, a secular people would not let you do that. And that's what I was going through. I was worried. And then I was like, okay, what if we start praying? And then all of a sudden, like administrators come and just stop us. And I, my heart was like, I was thinking, I'm like, but no, I'm a child of God. I, I should not fear. But at the same time, realistically, that's what I was going through inside. And I was just, I was going back to the Word of God. I was going back to, the, to God and His Word, and I was being encouraged once again. No, I'm not afraid. And God can open any door. God can do anything, and He can do, He can use anybody in any way He wants. And that's exactly what happened. 
That's exactly what happened. Highland College, a community college that is secular, allowed a prayer booth with worship music playing out loud, with signs that says you can be saved by Jesus, with sign that says um, uh, do you need prayer, with signs that says are you anxious, are you nervous, are you um, depressed, are you thinking suicidal thoughts, come to us, we can pray for you. I think about that. And today how we live in this world, we're afraid sometimes to talk to our next door neighbor because of this liberal agenda being pushed on us. But Praise God, he opened the door in Highline. And I hope that's not the first time it's going to happen. I hope it's not the first time. And there was people there who came to us, you know. Some people were just kind of interested. And um, they said, you know, this is a really cool thing you're doing. Many Christians actually walked by and said, God bless you guys. But at the same time, there was people that said, hey, I want prayer. I don't know the purpose of my life. I don't know what's going on with my life. I mean, these are people not like, you know, five-year-olds that really don't know what their life's about. Yeah, these are people almost in their 30s people who are 20s, people who are older saying, I don't know the purpose for my life, which goes back to the Word of God that, that confirms and assures us that a true purpose can only be found in Christ. So I want to say again, praise God that He opened that door. And if you guys have the opportunity, like Nazar says, in your schools, wherever you're at, take the opportunity. So we finished kind of early with, uh, earlier than I thought, so I have a lot of time we might finish earlier. I know that you guys want to finish by 9. Maybe we'll finish earlier. Unless you guys want to pray like, you know, a passionate prayer, I'm all for that. We can do that too. And um, I'd love to do that as well. But to the message, 1 John chapter 4, verses 1 through 6. So um, like I said, one of your brothers requested, you know, talk about kind of discernment of spirit, um, understanding what is God's spirit, maybe what is not God's spirit, who has God's spirit, who doesn't have God's spirit, who has the spirit that is anti-God. Um, I want to say up front that I do not have all the answers. I don't think anybody, not any top theologian has all the answers. And I'm not no top theologian, so I apologize if I'm going to already let you guys down. But I tell you one thing, if we search in the Word of God together, we can get enough for ourselves to move forward. And I believe this this passage will answer those questions for us today. This passage will encourage us and assure us today of our faith in Christ. And I believe the Bible does that. And so I find it an honor to preach from the Bible every single time. 1 John chapter 4 verses 1 through 6. You guys can open to that chapter with me and then I'll read this small section. Dear friends, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits to see whether they are from God because many false prophets have gone out into the world. This is how you can recognize the Spirit of God. Every spirit that acknowledges that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is from God. But every spirit that does not acknowledge Jesus is not from God. This is the spirit of the Antichrist, which you have heard is coming and even now is already in the world. You, dear children, are from God and have overcome them because the one who is in you is greater than the one who is in the world. They are from the world and therefore speak from the viewpoint of the world and the world listens to them. We are from God and whoever knows God listens to us, but whoever is not from God does not listen to us. This is how we recognize the spirit of truth and the spirit of falsehood. Um, so going just quickly into this book of John, I kind of uh, just read about, what, recap myself what this book is about and read a little bit and my commentaries in my Bible, and what I read and what I understood is that in 1 John, Paul, what he's doing actually is he's repeating the same message. He's reassuring the people over and over that, hey, you guys are to love one another, and we'll talk about that a little later. You guys are to um, 
test the spirits. You guys are to recognize what is from God, what is not from God, and stay away from that or even stand up against that. And um, in this book, actually, in 1 John, um, Paul, if, you, if we look at the historical events, um, there was different teachings at that time, you know. So when the first church first started, there was one teaching, and then after, you know, Christ was, he died and resurrected teachings were continued and the gospel was spread and as it was spread some people decided you know to kind of twist it some people decided to say you know what I think I know a better way um, and so there were people who would say things like Christ is not divine which means he's not actually God he's just a good person or he's a prophet of God which before even Christ died and crucified many people testified to that Nicodemus himself said, you know, we believe you're a great teacher. We believe in your signs. We believe in these miracles that you do. So these people weren't denying, you know, that Jesus didn't do great things. They just took away from the important fact that Jesus is God. And then some people would say that Christ did not, did not go through the suffering. Christ didn't actually die. He didn't need to. And in fact, some people would say that he's God, so he couldn't go through that. He only came into his body when he was born, and he left, his spirit left before Jesus, the human, died and was crucified. And what John did was he rebuked these teachings. He said, this is false. We hold to the firm truth that Jesus Christ came on the earth and only through him is there salvation. Because he went on the cross, he took our sin upon himself, he was crucified because of that sin. And, and more than that, he overcame that sin and came to life. So this is what the book John over and over does. He reaffirms and assures people that Jesus Christ is, in fact, the Son of God, and Jesus Christ saves. Without Jesus Christ, there is no salvation. Without Jesus Christ, there is no way to heaven. So just kind of getting into the, uh, what this book is about. So um, from the beginning of this chapter, uh, we see that Paul, he addresses, or sorry, John, he addresses um, the readers of this chapter, including us, and he says, Dear friends. And then a couple verses later, he says, dear children, um, I think it's important to always look at the what, look at the who, look at the when. I think those are practical questions, but who are these friends and children he speaks of? Who are these people that he speaks of? Um, and I just want to kind of look in context. And I want to kind of look back to 1 John chapter 3, verse 11 through 24. I want to read these few verses because he, uh, he explains who are children of God and who are friends of God. And I think that, um, that confirms to us and also teaches and instructs us how we as who claim and I hope are living in, in godly ways say we're children of God or friends of God. Dear children, do not let anyone lead you astray. The one who does what is right is righteous just as he is righteous. The one who does what is sinful is of the devil. Because, of, because the devil has been sinning from the beginning. This, the reason the Son of God appeared was to destroy the devil's work. No one who is born of God will continue to sin because God's seed remains in him, remains in them. They cannot go on sinning because they have never been born of God, because they have been born of God. This is how we know who, who the children of God are and who the children of the devil are. Anyone who does not do what is right is not God's child, nor is anyone who does not love their brother or sister. For this is the message you have heard from the beginning. We should love one another. Do not be like Cain who belonged to the evil one and murdered his brother. And why did he murder him? Because his own actions were evil and his brothers were righteous. Do not be surprised, my brothers and sisters, if the world hates you. We know that we pass from death to life because we love one another. 
Anyone who hates a brother or sister is a murderer and who knows that no, and, and you know that no murderer has eternal life residing in him. I'm going to stop right there because I want to say that this passage continues to repeat on these kind of principles. Um, I think we agree on the Bible openly in many places teaching things like this. I find it interesting though that um, one of the things he says is we know that we pass from life to death because we love one another. Anyone who does not love remains in death. That to me is interesting. And I, I know it seems like a true fact, but it's, a, it's such a deep fact because it says we, we know that we came from death to life because we love one another. So this is beyond to say that, hey, Jesus Christ, because Jesus Christ died and because he resurrected, therefore we have life now. He goes on to say even more, not adding to the cross. That's not what I'm trying to say. He's defining what the cross means, is that we become transformed like Christ if we are truly alive. If we are truly alive. And if we are to call ourselves the children of God or the friends of God. He says that in, that in, in order to see that you're alive, you would love your brother. You're not going to hate the person next to you. I mean, you could be born in a pretty good family like Adam and Eve's. I mean, I'll define it as pretty good. They made some mistakes like we all do. Um, Cain and Abel, right? He says, Cain, the reason he hated Abel was because he did something evil, but he saw that Cain did something good. And so that envy and jealousy was stirring in him. Um, but going back to what we're talking, we're talking about who is defined as the children of God, who is defined as the friends of God, as a friend of God. Does it even matter that we discuss these kind of things? I think it does. I think every believer should check themselves over and over. Or if we claim that we're a believer and see, hey, do I truly aspire to be a child of God or a friend of God? Because if my life does not, does not, is not based on what the Bible says, can I say that I'm actually honoring my father? Can I say that I'm actually living for him? If my life is going completely the opposite or, you know, I do some of the things of the Bible. The other things, uh, they're not exactly my cup of tea. Clearly it says, anyone who came from death to life loves the person next to them, loves the people around them, and works in the principles of love. Um, sometimes I think we as believers, we, got caught, we get caught up on uh, being inclusive toward everyone, you know. Um, I hear this all the time, and I actually encourage this. I just want us to, I want myself as I'm talking, ourselves to understand this. We say, you know, praise God that we're all his children that we are all saved by him, which is a great encouragement, actually, and it actually re reminds people sometimes what their state is and who they are in God, what their, what their identity is. But the matter of fact, there's people in church that will come, and they actually don't know God. And so they may put that, they might just accept that because it sounds nice. I'm including everyone. I'm a child of God, too. But going back again, a child of God is defined how the Bible defines it. We can't just slap that onto somebody and say, hey, they're a child of God. And so questions for us, based on what we learned, based on what we read, do I love every, every person around me? Do I love every person around me? Meaning, do I not have envy toward them? Do I not have any evil intention? Do I not have thoughts stirring in my mind and heart? Man, how could I hurt this person? Or this person's such a bad person. This person's evil. I, I don't like this person. You know, sometimes we think it's if we act on it. That's when it shows whether, you know, we're, we actually have something bad. Because... You know, Jesus, he, a lot of the times it's, it's to do what's in the heart and in the mind. Because, you know, Jesus, he takes things way more further than he says, whoever looks at a woman, whoever thinks that thought has already committed adultery. He didn't say if a person does that. He says whoever thinks that already. 
So it's important to assess that. Do I practice loving all people? Am I envious when someone does something good and is seen as righteous? Am I envious of that? Because if I have thoughts of envy, that should be a flag. That should be a flag not to put that side, ah, man, that, uh, whatever, I'll just, uh, that, I'll just put that off to the side. That should be a flag not to put to the side, but to, to overcome that obstacle, to bring that before God. Because if my life isn't showing that, my life isn't showing that kind of love, that kind of purity, then I should not be okay with that. God calls us to turn to him. God calls us to take that step toward him and bring it to him. So, if we can agree that we are the children of God, if we can agree that we are friends of God, 1 John chapter 4 teaches us that we need to understand that there are the different spirits that are not of God. We see that he says to test the spirits, meaning that there are different spirits. Not every spirit is of God. And so a Christian child of God should be mature actually in this. A child of God yet mature knowing to be ready for that, to be ready for, to, to test those kind of spirits. Um, and what the context here is showing is that there's some people that will say, you know, Christ is not God in, in, in here. But, you know, today we face different things, people who do unchristlike works, um, one of the things I see so popular these days, and it kind of bugs me, and I hope it bugs a lot of Christians, because I think a lot of people abuse this, is they bring a lot of money into ministry. And I'm not just saying, you know, let's take this money and bless overseas missions because people are actually living their life for God, completely sacrificing their life, giving up their careers, positions, and whatever they have here to go there or maybe from another country. I'm not saying that that's a great thing. You can bless people out there. But there's people who will have a ministry and they'll be rocking like $10,000, you know, outfits and all of that. And it's like, why are you taking that money away when it, from people for a, for a ministry when it could be doing so much more? And I believe today it's, it's tied in with so, many, with so many teachings. And I noticed myself, there's like, there's different kinds of teachings today, different kinds of things that I find sometimes odd and I'm unsure of. And so I, I'm, I do my best just to be safe and stay away from it. Um, but what I find bothers me more is not that it's just they have different teachings, but there's so much money tied into it. There's so much money, and it becomes a show, and there's like, you got to give here. And the worst thing is they start taking care, advantage of older people, older people who might not. It's like scam phone calls. Older people are more likely to fall for that. The other day, my dad just had a call from IRS, and he's like, Andre, what's going on here? And I'm like, IRS is not going to call you. They'll come knocking to your door. They'll send you something in the mail. But... I know that because I've read up on that or I've heard that before. My dad, hearing that from the first time, maybe would have fallen for that if he would have not had people around him to look out for him. And it's like that with today. Certain teachings, there's like, I think like that's one of the big signs for me that I think a lot of times those people are teaching things that it's a good idea to take a step back from when there's a lot of money tied into it. Why? Pharisees, we look at the Pharisees in the Bible. They were lovers of money. They, they were in the church, yeah. They were doing ministry. They were doing work. You know, they sat in the front. They knew the, the Torah from the back to the front or from front to back. But at the same time, they were, this says they were taking care of the advantage of widows. They were taking advantage of orphans. Exactly the opposite of what the Bible, what Jesus would teach. Exactly. Instead of looking out for the community, looking out for people in need, they were taking advantage of them. And so when I look at things where there's a lot of money tied in and people are taking that not for... Uh, putting it into the ministry of God, but taking it for themselves, I take a step back from that personally. And I think that the Bible shows us as Christians, 
not to, not to step into. And that's it's something that, that's something as young people we can be tempted by because we think, okay, look, that guy preaches so well, and look how he dresses, and he drives a Lambo. Man, I want to preach like that. I'll preach like that too. Give me a Bible. I'm going to step up and preach like that. Just give me a Lambo. That's not genuine uh, ministry for God. The Bible says that Jesus, God gave, God gave Jesus. And it says to give yourself as that living offering, Romans chapter 12. Give yourselves, or it means sacrifice. That means probably emptying your pockets now, not filling them, emptying your pockets. I, sadly today, uh, we see a lot of that, 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 that's the opposite. And a lot of times ministry becomes something popular, not because it's people sacrificing their lives for God. Not many people aspire nowadays, I want to be a missionary, I'm going to go there, not knowing what will happen to my life. More like I'm going to get into this comfortable missionary where I drive a, let's say Lambo, where I drive a Lambo and I got my pockets full of cash and I just, I preach once in a while. And it's not just for preachers. I'm, I'm going to say preachers because I'm up here so I can attack myself first. But one of the signs I would say that I look at biblical test is looking at things like that. Not to put, not to say money is money itself is an evil. It's a currency. It could be used for a lot of good. And I believe our churches, a lot of churches here, you know, we have like we have unity between another. We support a lot of good ministry. We support a lot of good missionaries. Um, but <clears throat> one of the other things is I, I see today is that um, a lot of people uh, do things that draw crowds especially young people, draw young people because they know young people, if they're influenced, they could, they could start this movement and they could connect and they could do a lot because young people have a lot of energy. They have a lot of connections. They're fresh, you know, and these people, a lot of times, they don't care what's going to happen to these young people. They don't know. They, they, in that moment, the person who wants to lead with their ministry is focusing on themselves and they, they don't care what's going to happen to the younger person, like in a sense where they're like, I'm only getting something for myself. Yeah, let's get these young. They're bringing me energy. They're bringing me this. They're bringing me this. Not what I can give from this person. Jesus did the opposite. He invested. You see, you see, we see that in the Bible. He invested into his 12 disciples. His spirit led him to invest. His spirit led him to give. And so I want to encourage us to walk with that kind of spirit, to, to test different spirits, to test different kinds of teachings, to test different kinds of theologies, doctrines. And it's clear, to sh uh, it's clear what the Bible shows as God's love or who God is. And it's not just love or approval for sin. We know that as Christians. And I'm going to remind us, it's not because God just loves and approves of sins. When we were doing the tent thing today, we weren't telling people, you know what, God loves you just as you are and he'll keep you that way. That's not true. We wouldn't, we wouldn't say that because that wouldn't be the gospel. God, God, is, God is about holiness and hate for sin. He hates sin. God loves holiness that's why he, Jesus Christ had to die, because we were unholy. And at the same time, though, he is longing to forgive. So if we just stop unholiness and say, that's sin, that's sin, that's sin, and we don't remind people and tell them that, or we don't remind ourselves that God longs to forgive, that's only, that would only be a piece of it. And then he also desires to show mercy. Moving on, in chapter 4, we see that what this, what this chapter teaches us is that um, Kind of what we talked about already is that a child of God, if we are children of God, and I hope that we are and we, um, you know, are like in this status as a child of God, we are to test each spirit. It reminds me of a story um, of Peter and John. Maybe you guys know this. is Acts chapter 8 or 9. Well, actually, it was um, Philip who was in this story originally. Philip started doing good works, and there was also, it was in a place where there was also magician. 
And, a, and this magician was doing really cool stuff. I mean, these people were amazed, like, hooray, we love this guy. He's doing really cool stuff. Here's money, here's money, here's money. Keep doing what you're doing. You're entertaining us. But Philip also started drawing attention, not for entertainment, though. It was to um, do good works unto people and change people's lives, do, do what God called them to do. And so um, Simon the magician started noticing this, and they actually needed more help. So um, Philip calls John and Peter the two apostles at that time, disciples of Jesus, they come to help them, praying on people, laying on hands. You know, these people are being baptized by the Holy Spirit. And this is an incredible thing, right? Being baptized of the Holy Spirit. We want to see people doing that. You would think Simon's going to be for that because it says he actually believed in what they were doing. Simon, he, he actually wanted the money. And in the story, it concludes where Peter, you know, he says, get that silver away from me. I don't need that silver. Take that silver. Take that perishing silver with you. He tried to buy out this God's power, but Peter was testing his spirit, and he saw that in this man, there wasn't a true spirit of giving. There wasn't a true spirit of selfless, selflessness. There wasn't a true spirit of sacrifice. There was a spirit of taking. There was a spirit of wanting to take advantage, wanting to take away. So before we allow anyone to influence our ministry, before we allow anyone to influence our life, we are to test that. And I want to, man, I want to emphasize on that for myself and us young people. Because we, at times, we, sometimes we allow ourselves to watch things, to read things, to listen to things. And we are not, we, we don't even pay attention where they came from, where the source was. There's books out there, there's movies, shows, people talking, podcasts, all of this. And sometimes we don't think about, hey, where did this come from? If you heard somebody say something against God, your father, or let's say your earthly father, and you knew that that was false, you would say, no, that's false. I know him. I know how, who he is. But, um, uh, uh, sorry, uh, to get back on topic, um, you would say that, hey, I know my father. I know who he is. And you would stand, up, you would stand against, you know, anybody trying to push any kind of influence. I, I commend us and encourage us to take that kind of stance when we are looking at different things like books. I mean, there's books that seem good out there. There's books that seem like they're neutral. But do they please God? Do they draw you closer to God? If they don't draw you closer to God, they're most likely drawing you away from God. But if we want to be in the presence of God, if we want to experience God, and where we're not doing things to hurt Him and, you know, grieve His Holy Spirit, we have to draw closer all the time, looking, how can I draw closer? If we all were doing that regularly and just seeking God, how much, how much more amazing would we see God moving and doing things? But I would say, sadly to say, what I see, what I see like, between us young people, I'll, I'll share an example from my life. I shared this with some, some of my youth um, recently. Uh, this guy in my college, he recommended me a book that is good for leadership and um, ministry, and uh, not ministry, sorry, and encouragement, how to move forward, how to not give up. And I was like, okay, this is an interesting read. I'll check it out. Um, not thinking at all, you know, is this from God or not from God? I kind of just like, hey, you know what? This guy sounds like a good dude. His, his intentions for me were probably even good. But I think the devil was using that book to try to corrupt me. I started listening to that book, and all of a sudden it starts talking about, like, um, just some good stuff, like, you know, encouraging stuff. And then it starts talking about, like, alcohol and, um, like, partying and different kinds of things that I was like, okay, this isn't of God. Should I be listening to this book? Now, if I wasn't really reading my Bible, I could be like, oh, you know what? I'll just kind of skip that stuff, and I'll, I won't really pay attention to it. I'll just pay attention to stuff that encourages me. But the Bible says, pay attention to what you listen with your ears. Pay attention to what you see with your eyes. And so I was like, okay, God, I started praying. 
um, God, does this please you? If this doesn't, you know, show me that this book doesn't please you, so I'm going to get rid of it. And I'm only like 30 minutes in this book. And this is a, you know, uh, accredited book, a really good book, bestseller. And it's a, the narrative of the story is, is going really well. I'm like, okay, this is a well-written book. I want to learn how to write like this. Um, but at the same time, I'm like, you know what? God, if I hear something once again that is not, that is unholy, that does not draw me closer to you, I'm going to delete it. And I pray that you may bless me through this. And so I hear something about alcohol again, and I'm like, you know what? I'm deleting it. Only 30 minutes into an 11-hour book that I've waited over a month for to be able to uh, listen, and I deleted it. And I'm telling you, from that moment, like just maybe hours into my day, I start reading my Bible, and just the Holy Spirit just comes upon me, and I'm just convicted, and I, and I feel the presence of God, and I'm just... And God's just blessing my heart. I'm not telling you guys I'm getting more money or I got super rich or, you know, all of a sudden I open my door and I see a Ferrari. No, and I don't want any of that. I felt the presence of God more powerfully than I did the day before, and that's what I needed. That's what we all need every single day. It's, we can't, you know, depend on yesterday's blessings, but we can move forward. And that means sometimes giving up things. Like sometimes I hear youth watching Game of Thrones, different things like that. And I will call those things out because there's a lot of sinful stuff that goes on there. There's, that's things that our eyes should not be okay with watching. And that's influence and spiritual influences that have power over our lives. And, doesn't, and it doesn't let us do more for God where we could be seeing greater things God doing through us and others around us because it influences us. And then through that, it, and we are influencing others. So let's, let's, let's test the things that we allow into our daily lives because I'm looking at the practical side right now. Let's test the things. What we're watching what we're reading, what we're doing, who we talk to, what we talk about, does that not matter before God? One of the other things that this uh, chapter says um, in Testing Spirit says that those that don't listen to us, they are not of us or they do not have the Spirit of God. And I'm not just saying, and I don't think this is just saying, you know, when you just tell a funny story and somebody's not listening, you're like, oh, you know what, that person's not from God. Totally not what it's saying. That's not biblical context. It's when you're preaching the true gospel to them and when you're rebuking or correcting someone based on the gospel and they don't want to hear it. When they don't want to hear it, they're closed off and they're actually influenced by something else. They're not influenced by the Spirit of God at that moment. Or if that happens to us, we're not being influenced by the Spirit of God at that moment. So I, I find that interesting and convicting to myself. That this chapter, you know, it says, you know, you, those people would be open to rebuke and correction. So I encourage us. Let's enjoy being corrected as, um, you know, as sometimes hard as that is. It's a good thing for a Christian. Proverbs says to actually, it's wise when someone takes correction. It's wise when someone takes reproof. Next, one, next thing I wanted to look at in this chapter is a child of God recognizes a spirit of God. Um, I want to say when you spend time with God, when you are in his word, when you are praying with him, when you, you know, like, like the Bible says, you go to your room, you close your door, um, and you pray. Who here practices that, by the way? Okay, I'm not going to ask, I'm not going to like call out, you know, who this and this. But it's such an important practice. You know, sometimes we're like, hey, I pray at church or I pray with groups of friends and that's really good too that is honestly really good that's another opportunity to draw closer to God but you need that one in one time with God it's a, it it trumps even those other things you know 
Because if you just publicly pray all the time, you might just get caught up on saying the right words. You might just get caught up on paying attention to what other people are praying. And you, because you don't have that practice. But when you personally practice with God, you get to know your Father more. And when you get to know your Father more, you understand His Spirit more. When you understand your Spirit more, His Spirit more, you understand... Who, you understand when it's not his spirit and someone else. You start to understand when someone's not from the spirit of God because you're in his word, you're in prayer, you're spending time with the Father, and he reveals himself to you. Does he not? He promises to reveal himself to us. And I believe in that. I believe that's what 1 John chapter 4 teaches us. You know, sometimes we got, get caught up on wanting to make a judgment on um, something that we see. We're like, okay, maybe that's not of God. I, I want to say be careful for every person here. If you, if you haven't been close with God for some time, be careful to make a judgment on something. Unless if you were spending time regularly, unless if you're close to God, you're open to correction, you're open to rebuke, then you will start to understand. But if you are not close to God, be careful just to throw out a judgment. Oh, that's not from God. Oh, that's it's unholy. First spend time with your father. And then you won't even need to really, you know, throw that out there. You won't, you'll just know inside yourself. And that influence will show through you. Somebody will recognize in you. Somebody who's a child of God will recognize that's a child of God right there. They are moving in the spirit of God. A child of God will overcome a spirit that's not from God. That's the last thing I wanted to talk about before we conclude. A child of God will overcome a spirit that's not from God. I remember when we were doing a prayer tent years ago, Andre Bobbin was there. Some, maybe some other people were there with the Brinza brothers and um, we went to Seattle, and we were, we were holding a prayer tent at a local site by the church, but we went to Seattle to preach to people, and <laughs> it's, it's interesting preaching to people because it's like standing up on this. We stand up on the little thing, and it's not like, you know, to a church where everyone's accepting, okay, he messed up. That's kind of cute. Um, we accept what he says. It's the Word of God. Maybe sometimes people don't really accept it, but um, in the church, you're more likely to get a lot of support. When you go into the world and you say, we are, sin will not bring you life. It will bring you death, and you need to repent. A lot of people who are sinning, not going to like hearing that. And so people would cuss at us. People would spit at us, you know, and do different kind of things. And there was a moment where German was preaching a word, and he was just like, God's Spirit just filled him. And he was preaching the word of God. He was really just preaching the pure gospel, that you need salvation, and God loves you. He came to save you. And then all of a sudden, like, this one guy just comes from the side, and he just starts rapping. I mean, like, not written down rap, like he's reading off a paper. He just starts going off on the spine. I, and he's very talented very talented, but he was rapping against Jesus Christ. And in that moment, I was just, I was kind of on the side, and German was preaching, and then there's that guy approaching him, and what I could see is just like the Spirit of God filling German, and this other spirit just coming against him. And I could see the difference. I, I was testifying to other people, I'm like, that's just something God revealed to me in the moment. This person has the spirit of Satan in him. He's legit going against God. And so we, we did some stuff to distract him and kind of push him aside so the Word of God could be preached. But in that moment, what, but in that moment, we, we saw a distinction. And not just that, we were able to conquer that. We were able to move forward and continue preaching the Word of God. Because in that moment, we, we, we had the status of the children of God. We were moving as the children of God into the saints' territory, and we had victory. People were, there was people who had demons cast out. There was people who were healed. There was people who, who um, gave their lives to God, and it was an amazing thing. And so when, when, you're, when you have that status that you're a child of God, you will be able to overcome a spirit that's not from God. And so I want to say, do not be afraid. Do not be afraid. You know, sometimes um, we can go into this territory, and this happens sometimes even to me, where I start getting this fear, and then I have to remind myself, okay, I'm a child of God. I know that I can't do anything special myself from myself. 
It's because of God. And I'm going to put the responsibility on him, my father. I'm just going to go in there and preach the word and watch as my father is going to answer. And that to me, I'm relieved once again. I'm like, okay, it's not me. I can't do anything. But I'm a child of God and my father can do great things. And so in that moment, because I realize my status, my identity, I'm able to overcome something that is not of God. Because, you know, the Bible says that the devil, he came to steal, he came to kill, he came to destroy. We all know that verse. We probably heard it since childhood. The thing is, sometimes we don't notice in the methods he used. He's very strategic. And um, we don't notice that one of the things he does is that he instills fear. What he does is he robs us from the joy. He robs us from the hope. He robs us from the confidence we have in God and instills fear. And that is one way he is stealing. And sometimes we think, oh, he's going to, you know, steal this from my life. He's going to steal, you know, money from my life. Or he's going to steal a family member from my life. And, you know, sometimes, you know, some things happen in our life that are tragic. But at the same time, what he really wants to do is what he sees. He wants to steal something that God gives you so by default fear is replaced to your life. Because we understand that love and, um, love and confidence and hope is from God, right? Perfect love casts out all fear. God is himself. God is love. But when, when he steals that joy, when he steals that faith we have in God, we are automatically filled with fear. And so that's one of the things he tries to steal. But as a matter of fact, I want to remind us, and that is, it is my... Um, it is a privilege for me and it is a joy to remind us that we are overcomers with God. Amen? Because we're a child of God. Can you say I'm a child of God? I'm a child of God. And I want us to have assurance and faith in that. When we go into different moments in our life, and we will face, the Bible says that in this chapter that there is many, um, that there is many prophets who are, uh, who are false prophets and they will go to teach. But the fact is when we are children of God, when we are friends of God, we are overcomers of those spirits that are not from God. There's no point to fear. There's no point to tremble because we have the assurance as we move forward that God will overcome, that God will do things from us, through us. God will protect us and God will deliver anyone that is in need of deliverance. And so I want to conclude. Um, I just want to ask us, um, based on kind of what we talked about here, First John chapter 4, you know, it teaches us that we are to um, understand that there's different spirits. Not every spirit is from God, and so we aren't just kind of lighthearted, just kind of j jollying around and, you know, oh, nothing's going to harm me. No, there's things that can harm us if we are not careful, we're not spending time with God, if we allow influence into our lives. And uh, the other thing I want to say is that when, when we, if we are children of God, we, um, we are to discern these spirits. We are to test them. We are to test what is from God, what is not from God. Um, if we are children of God, we recognize when someone has a spirit of God. And if we are children of God, we are overcomers over those that do not have God's spirit. So let's pray that God gives us wisdom. Let's pray that God is merciful to us, that God would protect us, that we would know what is from God, what is not from God, that we would move forward in assurance that God is with us. But at the same time, we would, we would protect ourselves from certain influences in our lives. Let's pray that God would give us that kind of wisdom. I'd just like us to stand. I want to say that, you know, love is the main component between us believers. When we, to recognize that you're a child of God, you have to see in your life that you have this love toward God, that you have this love toward the people around you. But also, if we are children of God, there's steps we have to take to protect ourselves, to allow God to protect us, and to test these things that are not from God and move forward in victory. Let's pray that God blesses in this. In this. Thank you, Jesus, Lord. Thank you, God, for your word, God, tonight. Thank you, Holy Spirit, God, for your grace and mercy, God, that allows us to be here, God. I thank you for First John chapter 4. I thank you for First John, the book, Lord, where you teach us, God, to 
be God your children you teach us to love one another you teach us God to care for one another and at the same time God you teach us to test what is not from you God I pray God that your Holy Spirit may be over each one of us that your protection may be over each one of us that we would test God that what is not of you God that it would not have any influence any infliction in our lives God but I pray God by your grace by your mercy you are to lead us God you are to guide us help us be firm in our faith help us God neglect reject God influences into our lives that are not of you God things God that are sinful God I pray God protect us as young people God that we would strive after your holiness that we would strive to be more like you God that we would strive to be like a person God who walks in your spirit Lord that we would stay away from sin God that we would stay away from what displeases you God but what honors you instead that we would draw to God I pray, God, that your blessings, God, would be over SCC youth and LCC youth, God. That your hand, God, would be over us, God. That you may bless every single person here. I pray, God, that you would do even more great things through these people here. That we would not, God, just be okay where we're at, God, and kind of comfortable, Lord, because that gives room for the devil. But instead, God, we would move forward, God. If there's any passion in our lives, God, if there's anything that we're led by, if there's anything that gives us purpose, God, it is your word, God. It is your holiness, God. It is your direction for our lives, God. I pray, bless us, God. Keep us, Lord. Continue, God, on protecting us. Help us be together in unity among churches, God, among fellow believers, God, to be strong, God, to be strong against the influence of Satan, God, and to be firm in our faith. Thank you, God, once again for your word. Thank you, God, for your holiness, for the beauty, God, in the, in the whole gospel. We pray, God, in your name, God. We praise you, God. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. God bless you guys. Thank you.